Turn with me, please, to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. We're on a series that we've been on for some weeks now called The Goodness of the Lord. If you haven't been with us, let me encourage you to go online, download the previous messages. It won't cost you anything. Or if you're here in the building, you can uh, get a hard copy. And um, because of that, you have the, it's easy for you to get caught up with us. And, and how many would, uh, that have heard the previous message of this series would encourage them that they, it would help them. They need to hear. Because uh, what we're doing right now is building on what we've already covered. In Psalm 34, Psalm 34 and verse 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Thank you, Lord. Verse 10 said, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Then verse 12 gets into some detail talking about what man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good. The theme of this is God is good and uh, he has good for us. And this is how to experience good over a, a long lifetime. Is it true? I mean, this phrase you hear a lot in Christian circles. Is it true that God is good? Yes. What does that mean? Again, you have to watch that it's not just a religious phrase like, God bless you. <laughs> God is good. What does that mean? It's one of the greatest truths we could ever realize. And it answers so many questions and will eliminate confusion. God is good. In the uh, 119th Psalm, Psalm 119, verse 68, 119.68 said, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The Living Bible says, you are good and do only good. Somebody say only good. Only now you will see this phrase in other, uh, other verses in the Bible, this idea about only good. You are good and do only good. The message says, you are good and the source of good. Train me in your goodness. Goodness. I mentioned about the only good part. One place you'll see it is in Psalm 73. Psalm 73, 1. Truly God is good to Israel. But if you look at the, the literal translation, Young's literal, it says it like this, only good to Israel is God. God is good. He is the source of good. He does good. And he is only good. If you believe that, you will stop blaming him for bad. 
Now this is a big problem. Preachers, Christians all over the world are attributing evil to God. Now they try to couch it in more comfortable language, but basically they're trying to tell us that all of the evil things that are happening in the world are somehow the mysterious work and plan of God. But the truth is, good comes out of good, and evil comes out of evil. Is that right? A good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. Is God good or bad? Is he only good? Or is he good and bad? I know of situations, thinking of one right now, where a, uh, a teenage young man, his younger brother was killed in a tragic accident, cut down just as a boy of a few years old. And there at the, uh, uh, at the funeral, standing by the casket, and the preacher is trying to explain to him that, that God was somehow in this tragic accident and, and needed another angel in the choir. And, and this young man, in his ignorance, he cursed and said, if that's God, I don't want anything to do with him. And left, and I, I don't know to this day if he's ever been back to church. Well, even though the minister might have meant well, he's lying to this young man. He's misrepresenting God to this young man. God is not the thief. He's not the killer. He's not the stealer. He's not the destroyer. Or is he? Come on, we need to make up our mind. Is he good or bad? Or good and bad? (laughs) I've been looking at this for a few years now. And uh, I've spent many hours seeking him in the word about this, I am completely convinced God is good and only good. And all he does is good. If it was all up to God, all there would be is good. Somebody said, what do you mean? Isn't it all up to God? It's not. You see people get adamant sometimes when you talk, if hell ever comes up. A place of torment, a place of burning fire and eternal destruction. I've heard people get indignant and go, well, I thought you said he's a God of love. How can such a God send somebody to such a horrible place for eternity? It's not his choice. Whoa, God's in control of everything. Notice this. Some people who say they don't even believe in God will turn around then and be adamant that he's in control of everything. (laughs) They don't serve him. They don't go to church. (laughs) But now they want to be adamant. Oh, God's in control of everything. Or I thought you said, we didn't say it. I don't believe you see it in the Bible. I know some people think they can get it out of there. But there's too many other scriptures. How many of the word has to be rightly divided? If these passages don't agree with these passages, then either it's not the word of God or you don't understand some things. I'm going to go with the latter. You don't understand some things. Come on, say it out loud if you believe it. God is good. good. He's all good. good. 
He's only good. Everything he does is good. You believe it? When you believe it, you get a revelation. God is not my problem. Never has been. Never will be. He's not withholding any good thing from me. Didn't we just get through reading this? If you follow him and seek him, you won't lack any good thing. Every good gift and every complete perfect gift comes from him. Somebody say, good, good, good. He's good. Truly good. Always good. Only good. Put up 1 Timothy 4, 4. Now you might notice we have already been over these things. I'm talking about right now. Probably at least half a dozen times. So why don't you move on to some new material? Don't you have any new material? Boy, do I. (laughs) Pages and pages. Why don't you get to it? Well, why don't you get this real strong? That's right. And then we will. That's right. (laughs) And it's not just because you made a note of it that you got it. Do you believe it? Are you established in it? Are you fully persuaded? Because it's not just about adding information or knowledge to your mental library. That won't change your life. It's what you believe enough to live by. You believe it enough to act on it. And you need to be settled and established, anchored in your soul that somebody that comes along quoting half of a verse and don't know God and don't know what they're talking about is not going to move you away from knowing that God is good. Are you persuaded or not? Are you getting there? I'm going to keep waving my hands and quoting scriptures (laughs) until you get there, until you are absolutely, completely convinced, fully persuaded, certain, sure, and fixed that God is good. God is only good. Always good. It says every creature of God is good. That means creation. Listen to Amplified 1 Timothy 4 4. Everything God has created is good. You believe that or not? Everything. The NAS says it like this. I like this way of saying it. Everything created by God is good. Everything God has created is good. Now, people get confused because they look at the world and they say, well, all that's not good. And God created everything. How can that be? (laughs) I'm sitting looks across the crowd. We're right. No. Isn't everything that exists didn't God create it? Yes. No. That's the revelation many are missing. God created the anointed cherub. He didn't create the devil. You know who created the devil? The devil took what God gave him. As the anointed cherub and twisted it. That's what wicked means. No, wicker furniture. Wicker, it means twisted. Twisted. 
took the good thing God made and twisted it into something perverse and evil and wrong. And we kept on this in the beginning of the series. Uh, Another passage said, God made man good, but he has invented many ways to be evil, one translation said. And and you hear people all messed up and and with all kind of distortions and, and sin and failure in their life. And they say, well, I can't help it. God made me this way. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. God only makes good. Everything, how many believe the Bible? Everything God created, it was good when he created it. It was good in its original form. But the distortions of it and the twistings of it that have occurred afterward are not God's work. And they are not good. And so no, everything that's in the earth, God didn't create. All the evil, all the chaos, all the the sin. If God is good and evil, if he does good and evil, how is he going to judge you and me? If we're doing good and evil and we're being like him. If he's part evil, how can he justly, fairly judge evil? He couldn't. Come on, have you made up your mind yet? God is good. He is only good. All he does is good. Period. And we've been praying and believing for some years now, Lord, show us what's you and what's not you. What's right and what's not right. And this is a big answer to that prayer. You know how you can tell it's God? It's good. I know that sounds simple, but that is powerful revelation. If it's not good, it's not God. It's not Him. Because He is good. He's only good. He's always good. Now go with me to Ephesians 2 and get ready to shout. You know, a lot of folks read the Scriptures and all they see in it is judgment and bad. And some folks, all they preach is, is how bad things are going to be, how bad things are coming, how bad this, how bad that. All they preach is on the bad. <laughs> but is God good or bad? He's good. People say, well, how do you explain the judgment? Easy. If you'd been here and paid attention a couple of weeks ago, you'd have got it. Angels and humans have the right to choose something other than good. And if they do, God, even though it wasn't his choice, he has to do something with them. Heaven is a good place. Do you believe it? Heaven, have you read about it any at all? It is a wonderfully good place. And if you read about it, it says there is nothing in it that tells a lie or that's evil or that's this or that. Well, what about the folks who have not chosen good, who have chosen distortion and evil? If we have them in heaven too, heaven's not good anymore. God has to do something 
with those he didn't choose it for them. They chose it. You think about uh, Lucifer. You think about the fallen angels. How long have they been the enemies of God? We have no idea how much time we're talking about. I'm sure billions of years at least. And they haven't changed in all this time? What's that an indication of? They're not going to change. So you want them in heaven with you? <laughs> then it would, the good wouldn't be good anymore. It would have evil in it. God's got to do something with it. He's got to, and the judgment has to do with the separation of the good from the evil. And it wasn't God's choice for them to be evil. It was their choice. And again and again, he gave those beings and us opportunity after opportunity, a whole lifetime of opportunity to choose good instead of evil. Choose him instead of wrong. Somebody say, I choose God. I choose good. I choose right. I choose truth. I choose love. I choose life. I choose God. (laughs) If you really do in your heart, then that's what you are predestined for. The rest of your eternal existence is good, good, good. Good and more good and good and a million years from now a whole lot more good and good and good and good and good. Come on, you need to say it again. I choose good. I choose God. Now notice in Ephesians 2. And let's see about verse uh, 4. God who is rich in mercy. God, a poor God or a rich God? He's a rich God. For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come. That sound like a long time. How how long are we talking about? We're not talking about a century or two or a millennia. Ages. We have no idea how long that is. Ages to come, he might show what? The exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Every good thing we have now, every good thing we will ever have throughout eternity is because of Jesus. How many agree with that? You believe that? It's all because of him. And uh, come on, think about this. I mean, how many have been walking with the Lord now for uh, more than a year or two? Five years, 10 years, 20 years? Have you experienced more of his riches and and see more of him now than when you first began? Have you grown? Have you changed? Have you developed? And we're just talking about 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. What if you continued that another 300 years? Now, let me really help you out. What if you continue that another 500 years without the distractions and hindrances of a curse-filled earth? (laughs) We're going to hardly recognize you. (laughs) We're going to say, something about them looks familiar, but they're just so amazing. (laughs) Now, what if you continue that 
for another 10,000 years. We are the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. Hallelujah. But when we see him, we will be like him. That is our destiny. To be completely conformed to his image. Hallelujah. To his glory. And it's already begun. It began when you were born again. Ah, friends, this is shouting ground right here. This is, you can't shout about this. Something's wrong. This is shouting ground. Woo. Think about where you're headed. It's already begun. It's already begun. The incorruptible seed of the word of God has already been planted inside you and the roots are going down and the limbs are going up. Hallelujah. And that's going to keep growing and developing and expanding throughout the ages to come. (laughs) This life right now, this is the briefest thing we will ever do. If you live a hundred years, it's going to come and go so quick. This is the shortest thing you'll ever do. And thank God, because this is not such a great place. (laughs) It's all of it's fallen. The curse is here. There's so much wrong and dark here. Uh, I assure you, when we slip out of this body and we get in glory with the Lord, we're going to realize how dark a place this is. We don't know the difference because this is all we've ever known. But uh, we got a job to do. Let's finish our job before we get out of here. In the ages to come, he's going to show the exceeding riches of his grace. Verse 8, for by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Grace is God's part. Faith is our part. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now get this next verse. This is what I was building up to. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto what? Good works. We come, came from... I was preaching one time and had an English professor Uh-oh. in the crowd. <laughs> and I noticed every once in a while she would go, oh. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I'm using double negatives. And, and <laughs> but it reminded me of something I heard about Brother Smith Wigglesworth. Brother Smith Wigglesworth great champion of faith who lived many years ago. A lot of you heard of him, know about him. He had no education at all. None. He couldn't read. His wife, Polly, eventually told him how to read and write his name. And so, uh, and he, he was a plumber, I guess he was, and he was uh, a bit rough. And he wrote, uh, after years in the ministry, he wrote to another young minister. And it came back and the, the young minister said, yes, yes. But he said, you know, did you know you spelled Holy Spirit about seven different ways <laughs> in your letter to me? And they said, Smith said, well, did you understand it or not? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, that's all. <laughs> I mean, you can get hung up on the technical and miss the spirit of it. Amen. 
And does that make you smart or dumb? <laughs> you know, all of us are human and we can make mistakes. Maybe the preacher, instead of saying Galatians 3, 2, he said Galatians 2, 3. Maybe he used a double negative, but is that the main thing? If you get the spirit of it, that's what you should be getting. And if your heart's right, you go, oh, I know what you meant. Go on, go on. I, I, I got you. I'm with you. Keep on cruising. <laughs> We're his workmanship. Who made us? God is good. Good made us. If good made us, what comes out of good? Good. Somebody's getting this. <laughs> Did God make some bad stuff that need to be recalled? <laughs> There are people telling us God's made mistakes. He's put men in women's bodies. And women in men's bodies. God's made mistakes. He's given people minds and inclinations of wrong and oops and distortions. It's not true. God has not made mistakes. He didn't have bad days on the assembly line. Huh? And never are the angels involved in making people and getting getting spirits in body, which they don't do that anyway. But <laughs> you come down and somebody messes up and not paying attention and goes, what, you see that? They go, ah, let it go. Let's let it go. <laughs> <laughs> and people wind up in the earth and there's some kind of distortion and perversion and a mistake. God made a mistake. No, God doesn't make mistakes. And he doesn't make anything bad. He makes good. Only good. Anything else is between people and the devil. Now we saw in detail where Jesus talked about how the Lord planted good seed in the earth. But then said an enemy came behind and sowed bad seed. Do you remember that? Who sowed the bad seed? God didn't sow the bad seed. The devil sowed the bad seed. So the devil is endeavoring to distort, defile pervert, destroy everything he can down here. That's who he is. He's trying to remake people into his likeness. Can you see this? He has a God complex. He, he does. He wants to be God. He ain't even close. And he never will be. He is a fallen created being, but you never met anybody so proud, so evil, so cruel, all cruelty and lying and pride comes from him. And the worst you've ever seen is just a measure of what he is. And he's not a fairy tale. He's real. And I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't want to be like him at all. How about you? I don't want to have any of his characteristics. I have a Lord. I have a master. Jesus is his name. And he is good. He's good. All he is is good. And the more like him I am, the more good I am. And the plan is for you and I to be so much like him that if you've seen us, you've seen him. And the devil will lie to you. And maybe you do have some things that need to be changed. and Some things that need to be, your mind needs to become more renewed to think like him. Your life needs to be uh, adjusted. But when you are born again, that's the man on the inside. All things are passed away. All things have become new. You are a one of a kind 
creation by the master. There will never be another one exactly like you. And God don't make no junk. I could almost hear the English professor cringe. No. You came from good. Good is in you. And you are made for good. Say it out loud. I came from good. Good is in me. I am predestined to do good. I've come from good. I'm going to good. Which is a way of saying I've come from God. And I'm going to God. God is good. How many think there's a lot to find out about God is good? Whew. Keep reading. Ephesians 2.10. Said out loud, I am his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. Which God has before ordained that I should walk in them. Doesn't hurt you to quote scriptures, does it? Read this in the, uh, in the Amplified. We are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. None of the perversions, distortions, weaknesses that exist in your body or in your life are that. Your body has not been born again. And your mind has not been born again. Your spirit. We've been born of God. And the the hidden man of the heart. The inside man. Has been recreated. And is God's own handiwork. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to let the man on the inside. Dominate. The man on the outside. Good news. One of these days. The trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise. We which are alive and remain are going to be changed. And our bodies are going to be changed so that they are completely good. There won't be any defects. It'll be this body. Someone says, no, I don't like this body. I wanted a new body. It's going to be this body. This body. I want you to put your hand on it. This body has been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. It is in a fallen, sin-affected, cursed state, which is why it ages, it's subject to weakness, all kind of things, and will die. The Lord tears is coming. But if this body died in the desert... And nobody found it. And the molecules were blown to the four corners of the earth over a thousand years. When the trumpet sounds. I said when the trumpet sounds. God knows where every atom of it is. Come on, are you listening? And it will come back together. And the glory of God will flow through it. And it'll be made just like Jesus' glorious body that he has right now. You believe this or not? 
Am I making this up or is this scripture? Woo! And then you will have been with Jesus all this time. You're going to come back with him. You're going to pick up your body on the way and slip into it like a hand slips into a glove. And you're going to go, man, I never remember this body fitting this good and feeling like this. That's why. Because everything's been fixed. Everything. But it's this body. This one right here. Glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I don't like this body. You will like it when it's glorified. (laughs) And no need to be mean to it and despise it now either. It's it's been bought with a price. Jesus paid a high price. Didn't the Bible say you've been bought with a price? Glorify God in your spirit and in your body, both of which are God's. We're God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. Why? Do we have a purpose? You ever hear people just try to look wise and and they don't know a thing? They're going, why are we here (laughs) dealing with the big questions and issues of life? They believe nobody knows, nobody can know. How about reading Ephesians (laughs) 2.10? We have been... Not just born under the earth, but those that have been born again, we now have been recreated. In Christ Jesus, do we have a purpose? Purpose, purpose. That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. What kind of works? Somebody say, I am predestined for good works. Predestined. For good works. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. It's not for us to decide what we want to be and what we want to do. That's already been planned. It's for us to discover what God has already ordained for us to be and to do. And to do it. That we should walk in them. Living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Somebody say, living the good life. life. Come on, say it again. Living the good life. Living the good life. life. Now, you will hear some of that terminology. A lot of times in our country, especially, it's equated with the so-called American dream. The American dream. Living the good life. And what do people usually mean. When they're talking about living the good life. I want want some response on this one. Help me out a little bit. Money. Right. Stuff. Things. Get the house. Get the cars. uh, Boats. Planes. Living the good life. Is that right? (laughs) Grilling steaks in your Armani suit. (laughs) Riding to the country club in your Rolls Royce. Living the good life. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Is there some of that? Being able to retire early with a bunch of money and just play golf every day. Go out and fish every day. Living the good life. Is that what he's talking about? (laughs) 
Is that the good life he's talking about? Is it? Go with me to uh, Luke 12th chapter. Luke 12, 16. Jesus spake a parable to them and he said, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, where's he doing his thinking? Where's he getting his counsel? (laughs) He's just thinking within himself. He said, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns and build greater, bigger barns. And then I'm going to bestow all my fruits and all my goods. Now, now back up to verse 18. My barns, my fruits, my goods. He's taking counsel where? In, my, in myself. And in taking counsel in himself, what did he get counsel about? Everything that I want and want to do. Verse 19. I will say to my soul, soul, (laughs) you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds like the American dream or whatever country you're from. What can you do? You got everything You'll need for the next 150 years. You are set. Don't have to punch a clock from now on. Don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Back up to verse 19. What you going to (laughs) do? Eat, drink, and be merry. Somebody say, eat, drink, and be merry. What are we going to do? We're going to party. We're going to play. We're going to play golf. We're going to fish. We're going to go to Disney World. Seven, eight times a year. We're going to take European vacations. We're going to take Asian vacations. African vacations. Australia vacations. We're going to have 12 cars. Nine boats. That's the good life. Or is it? How much do what most people call the good life is the me life? It's the me life. Everything is about me. What I want, what I want to do, what I don't want to do, what I need, what I think is fun, what I enjoy, what makes me feel good. But living in me land is not a fun place. I know it sounds like it is. Somebody said, I'd like to try it. I'm telling you. (laughs) It's not. You'll find people, there are people who are billionaires that are absolutely miserable. Suicidal. How could that be? They sure got the means to live the good life. Because a lot of times poor people that don't have anything, at least they can imagine that if they had it, 
they'd be happy. But a billionaire's got it and realizes, is this all there is? Still not fulfilled, still not complete, still not satisfied because all the cars in the world can't fulfill you inside. They can't. And you can hug that million dollar Bugatti. You can kiss it and pet it and it will never love you back. No, it won't. It won't. It's just a thing. And it rusts and rots like a $5,000 car. I submit to you, that's not the good life. That's not the good life he's talking about. What did he say? I'm going to say, you got it made. Verse 20, God said, you a fool. (laughs) When God says you a fool, you a fool. Is that right? And if you're smart, you hit your knees and go, God, I'm a fool. I've been a fool. But I'm going to quit being a fool. Have mercy on me. He said fool. (laughs) Sound like Mr. T, don't he? (laughs) Fool. (laughs) Fool this night. Your soul is going to be required of you. And then all that stuff. Who's going to have it? You're not going to have it. Right. Come on. Who's going to wind up with it? Verse 21. So is he that lays up treasure. What? For himself. And is not rich. Toward God. There's rich in the world. And there's rich in God. Come on. Let me tell you which one you want. Come on. Anybody know which one you want? Rich in the world. You can be miserable. Lost. Unloved. Huh? Empty. Even though you got everything money can buy. But when you're rich in God. I said when you're rich in God. You not only can have some stuff. You got the heart. You got the life. You got the joy. You got the peace. And you got one of the biggest things that make the good life. The ability to do good things for others. That's the good life. Oh, somebody say the good life. The good life. That's the good life. That's the good life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me just read these scriptures and maybe we'll, we'll pick up on this later on. Hallelujah. Galatians 6. I'm going to read this from Young's literal translation. You don't have to turn there. Galatians 6, 6. Let him who's instructed in the word share with him who's instructing in all good things. Don't be led astray. God's not mocked what a man may sow. That's what he's going to reap. And verse 9. In the doing good, don't be faint hearted. At the proper time, we shall reap, not desponding. Therefore, as we have opportunity, do what? May we work the good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Somebody say, do good. Do good. As we have opportunity, do good to everybody. That's living the good life is doing good. Not just having a bunch of stuff, 
The, the reason we believe in prosperity is to have the ability. Phyllis and I have been having so much fun the last few months. Because we've had, I don't know what, a dozen situations in the last few months where the Lord used us to make people's dreams come true. You never had more fun than this. Things they had wanted, things they had desired, things that were on their vision list, and the Lord used us to facilitate it. And, he, and we had the stuff or the thing or the money that we could use to make it happen. That's living a good life. We live in a good place. We eat good, wear good, drive good. But that alone is not the good life. This is the good life. Hallelujah. When you, you have the resources, you have the ability to help people, take pressure off people, get people out of need and out of lack, cause people's dreams to come true. And you just make that your life. You just begin to go through life doing that over here and over there and over here and over there. Hallelujah. You wake up in the morning and you've got lots of resources and you say, Lord, who can you use me to bless today? Amen. That's living the good life. That's living the good life. Do you believe it, saints? Somebody say, living the good life. Living the good life. 1 Timothy 6.17. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, charge them that are rich in this world. Get rid of all them riches because you can't serve God with that. No. No. You know, it's contradictory that people say, oh, you don't need all that stuff. You don't need all that money. Then they turn around and say, you need to do a bunch of good things for the poor. With what? I'm not supposed to have anything, but I'm supposed to do all this. Doesn't work. You got to have something in order to do something. Charge them to be rich in this world. Don't be high-minded. Don't trust in your uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Does that sound like a good life? That's a good life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm come that you might have it life and have it more abundantly. The Amplified says to the full until it overflows. Have and enjoy life. That's a good God. That's a good life. Keep reading. Keep reading. Verse 18. That what? What do you do with those riches? You do good. And you're not just rich in stuff. You're rich in God. And you're rich in good works. Ready to distribute. That means to share. Ready to give and to share. Would be another way to say distribute and communicate. Ready to distribute, ready to communicate or to share. Verse 19, what are you doing? Laying up. Come on. In store for yourselves a good foundation. Why? Because you've been doing good. You've been sowing good. And you're laying up good. What you going to reap? Good. good. Both in this life and in the life to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Well, there's some exceedingly good things that God has prepared for those that follow him and do good down here. In closing, (laughs) Psalm 23, put it up. Let's look at the whole thing. And no, I won't try to preach on every verse. I don't think. Psalm 23, 1. Come on, read it out loud with me. The Lord Lord is my shepherd. shepherd. What kind of shepherd is he? 
We've got a whole chapter in John that tells us how good the shepherd is. The Lord is my good shepherd. And because I got such a good shepherd, I shall not want. Keep reading. He makes me to lie down. What's another word for green pastures? Good pastures. These are not burnt, dry, not a bad pasture. It's a good pasture. He leads me beside the stiff. If you look that up, it has to do with fresh, deep, peaceful. Another word for that is good. Good pasture. Good water. Why? Because got a good shepherd. Keep reading. He restores my soul. Is that good? He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If it's right, it's good. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Evil, another word for evil is bad. No evil. Why? Because good is with me. And good's rod. And good's staff. (laughs) You know, good is just God with another O. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Is that good or bad? You anoint my head with oil. Is that good? My cup. Is that good? Oh, that's exceedingly good. Keep going. Surely. What? Goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. That's a good life. Goodness is trailing you. Good. There's two big meanings here. It means it's pursuing you. It's chasing you and catching you. But it's also following you. How many know in a few days the Lord tears is coming. We will be or somebody will be at your funeral. If you live another 75 years, it's going to come and go quick. But how, what should we be thinking about? What would you like for us to be thinking about when your life down here is over? What would you like for us to be thinking about? All of the good things. You want us thinking about bad things? <laughs> then give us something to talk about. <laughs> All of the good things God did through you. People said, I tell you what, man, I was in need that time. And when they showed up and told me God told them to help me, I just cried for three days. Man, I tell you what, everybody else gave up on me, but they would not quit. They just kept encouraging me and kept helping me and wouldn't leave me and wouldn't quit me. Everybody else left, but they stayed and helped. And help me get back on time. How many want to hear story after story. Of good thing after good thing. After good thing. That's because just like a ship. Going through the sea. Leaves a wake. You're leaving a wake. Of goodness. Hallelujah. You're leaving a trail. Of good things behind you. Because you came from good. And good is in you. And you're full of good. And you're anointed to do good. And you're predestined for goodness. Hallelujah. Goodness is chasing you. And finding you. And goodness is following you. All the days of your life. And then you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody.
Woo. Hallelujah. I preach myself happy. Oh, thank you, Lord. Phyllis, would you come, please? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank Glory you, Lord. Glory to God. I was standing, sitting over there, and I was thinking while he was telling all that stuff. You know, I'm the practical one of the two of us. He's the more spiritual one, as you can tell. But um, I sit over there, and I think about, he's talking about all the good things we have and all the things that we have. You know, when we started in the ministry, most people don't know this, but as Brother Hagen used to say, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. When Keith grew up, um, I, he doesn't tell this real often, but he didn't have an indoor bathroom or a telephone till almost after we got married. I mean, it was lots of things were a lot different, you know, for us. And people don't know how we got started. We didn't have any money. We didn't have anything. But you know how we got started was we started doing what he's talking about. The goodness of God started coming into our lives, and we didn't just keep it heaping it on ourselves. I sat there just now and started thinking about the things that God had blessed us with. And instead of us just keeping things as we got them, I counted off just now, and I bet he doesn't. He'll have to sit there and think about it. But I know he's given away over close to a dozen motorcycles. We've given away close to a dozen cars. And I think about it, and, you know, instead of us keeping an extra car when we get it, we go out and give it away. Or we give away new cars. Or we give away motorcycles. He gave away three motorcycles in the last two or three months. I mean, that's how we began to prosper. It's not because we get these great big huge paychecks or because we get these great big huge wads of money come to it. Because we learned how to sow. Because when we needed or were believing God for something, we'd look around us and we'd say, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? And it's time to sow it. We wouldn't leave an extra car sitting there. If we didn't drive a car for a few months, we'd say, it's time to get rid of it. Who, who, who's God dealing with us about? And we'd sow it to somebody. And we'd look back and we'd think about, look at the pleasure they are getting out of that when it was just sitting there in our garage for a month. Or look at that jewelry. Or look at that clothes. It is just dumb, dumb, dumb to lay up things when you're not using them. That's how you lose out on things. When God's looking for ways to bless you and give you things, if you're not using it, it's God's way of blessing you and bringing greater and greater and greater things upon you. Don't just heap stuff on yourself and lose out on what God's trying to do for you. Get out there. Go home. Look through your closet. Look through your stuff. Start sewing it. And you'll see it. It'll start coming back to you and coming back to you and coming back to you. Can you count the motorcycles? You remember all of them? I remembered them right away. The Lord started dealing with me about it. The very first motorcycle he gave away was to me. And I bet he doesn't even remember that. But you did. The very first one he gave to me and I made it into a trike. And then I sold that motorcycle. And we started it. We, I mean, that's the way you start. As you start giving it away. And you may be, and I remember his cars. You know, he gave the first one away and he rode with me. And that's the way you start doing things. And if you'll do that, you may be short for just a little bit. But don't do it unless God tells you and walk for six months. Be led 
And God will show you exactly what to do. And if you do it in His leading, you'll have more than you ever need. But if you just hoard stuff on yourself, you're going to do without all the days of your life. You may have it, but you're still going to be broke. You understand that? Well, it's a great time to give. Because you don't reap until you do what? Reaping don't come first, sowing comes first. So it's a good time for us to do that. So, Father, we just thank you for showing us. We ask you, show every person in here exactly what we have that we can sow, Father. And as you show us what we're supposed to sow, it'll be in the right hands of the right people, and there'll be good ground for us, Father. And we will reap exactly in the right time, exactly where we're supposed to reap and how we're supposed to reap. And we'll always have everything we need because you know if we get it in the ground, we'll reap it when we need it, Father. Thank you for leading us and guiding us and directing us, every one of us, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.